Hey, podcast listeners, just a quick word before today's show. How are you doing when it comes to leading change? You know that the world is changing faster than ever. And here's what I really believe. It's a situation where you either disrupt yourself or you get disrupted. But you know what? A lot of leaders I talk to, church leaders, business leaders, have a really hard time leading change. They're worried about pushback, opposition, etc. Well, I have a complete step-by-step framework that will help you lead change and navigate the opposition, the pushback, and the confusion that you experience way too often when you lead change. I've got a brand new course called The Art of Leading Change. It's your solution to make the right changes and implement them successfully even when it feels like everything's against you. You can enroll before August 31st to secure the best pricing. Here's what you need to do. Go to theartofleadingchange.com. All of my best content is in my courses. Go to theartofleadingchange.com. And now on to today's episode. The Art of Leadership Network. Welcome to the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. It's Kerry here. So excited to bring you my friend, Jeff Henderson. Back for episode 517. For all of you who are brand new, uh, we get new listeners every month, every episode. Welcome. Really glad you're here. For those of you who've been here from the beginning, man, I love you. Thanks so much for showing up again. Uh, I think you're really going to appreciate this. We are in the midst of the great resignation. Some of you are still thinking about making a move. Some of you have made a move. Some of you are excited with it. Some of you are regretting it. And Jeff Henderson steps in. He's the author of a brand new book called What to Do Next. And, uh, well, I'll tell you more about Jeff in a moment. Today's episode is brought to you by Compassion International. You can equip local churches around the world while seeing your church grow in the process by going to Compassion.com church and by Overflow. Overflow is an online software that empowers donors to seamlessly give crypto and stock donations to churches and nonprofits within minutes. Go to overflow.co slash carry. That's .co, not .com slash carry to learn more. Jeff Henderson is back and he has worked with some incredible organizations, the Atlanta Braves, Callaway Gardens, Chick-fil-A, North Point Ministries, and Maxwell Leadership. And he's back with a brand new book called What to Do Next. And we talk about his transition from pastoring local churches into what he does today at The Four Company. He has been named by Forbes as one of the 20 speakers you shouldn't miss. Uh, And he is trusted by businesses and by churches alike. His best-selling book, which he's talked about here on the podcast, Know What You're For, launched a movement literally around the world, empowering leaders to grow both purpose and profit. And we're going to talk about transition. So if you're a young leader... This is fantastic career advice. If you are a leader, Jeff and I are like, I think, two weeks apart in age, born the same year, same month, just a couple weeks apart. So we we track a lot about this. And if you're a leader in your 50s, like Jeff and I, I think you're going to find this really, really helpful as well. We're going to talk about how to know when it's time to leave, how to finish well, and overcoming career indecision. It's pretty fascinating. So I am excited you're here for this. We also have show notes for you, and uh, you can watch it on YouTube as well. But uh, for those of you who are listening on the audio version, uh, we are so glad that you're here. I want to tell you about a ministry that I've loved for years, and that's Compassion International. Compassion is an incredible organization, and their goal, pretty powerful, to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. They currently serve over 2 million children and their families in some of the most poverty-stricken areas of the world. My favorite part, 
All of this is happening through the local church. Compassion is all about equipping the local church. I've seen this on the ground. It's powerful. Uh, Every single child is cared for by leaders in their community, not by people from outside of their country. As a pastor, I found compassion to be a strategic part of our global mission strategy when I was leading Conexus Church, and we actually incorporated them as a partner into our focus on Guatemala, a country very close to my heart. Compassion made it easy for everyone in our church to put their faith in action by caring for a child in need, and you can help equip local churches around the world while seeing your church grow in the process by visiting compassion.com church to learn how. That's compassion.com slash church. And they would love to talk to you about how to make that happen. Now, also, if you're a church leader, let's face it, church fundraising is hard, especially in this wobbly economy. But did you know that 90% of U.S. households' wealth is tied up in non-cash assets? That's right. People are cash poor, asset rich. And that means churches only accepting cash donations are missing massive giving opportunities. So Overflow is here to help. Overflow is an online software that empowers donors to seamlessly give stock donations and even crypto to churches and nonprofits within minutes. The average donation to churches and nonprofits is $128, but the average donation through Overflow is, are you ready? $9,500. Yeah, 128 via cash, 9,500 versus stock or crypto. Your donors want to give stock in crypto because it's the most tax efficient way to give. Why? Because there's no capital gains tax. So churches get the full donation, donors get the full deduction. As a result, churches have seen up to 32x return on their investment with overflow. So if you're ready to unlock unprecedented generosity, go to overflow.co slash carry. That's overflow.co, not .com, .co slash C-A-R-E-Y, my name, to sign up, overflow.co slash carry. It is a fascinating, fascinating model. So anyway, hey, let us get into today's conversation with my really good friend, Jeff Henderson. Well, Jeff Henderson, welcome back to the podcast. It's good to be with you. Carrie, good to see you, buddy. Always good to be with you. Yeah, so you made a big transition over the last few years, um, as have a lot of people listening to this. Uh, statistically, probably half of these listeners have made some kind of big move in the last few years. Um, so what was the hardest part of the transition? Tell us what the transition was, and then the hardest part of the transition for you personally. It's interesting. I, I think over the last... Wendy, three years, I've made three big transitions, leaving Chick-fil-A marketing to join Buckhead Church in the early days, and leaving Buckhead to launch a couple of Gwinnett Church locations, and then this latest one. And so there were some similarities because I loved what I did. I loved the people that was there, right? And uh, But there was, a, there was something in the future that was I was intrigued by. And in some ways, what I was intrigued about in the future um, kind of ruined what was in the present. I don't like the word ruined, but in, in essence, it was like, oh, you know, I'm so intrigued by this. For example, when I was at Chick-fil-A, I thought, okay, video church, you know, because this was back in the day when video church was kind of an unheard thing. If we could figure this out, this could be a really huge thing for the kingdom in terms of other churches and other communities doing this. So I was so intrigued by that, Carrie, that I thought, oh no, I think I have to leave Chick-fil-A to go pursue this. And so and that was about season, 20 years when, ago, right? Early 2000s when you right. left Chick-fil-A? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 2003. And, uh, and in this season, you know, I've been traveling around talking about 
um, hey, what do you want to be known for? And, you know, it's no longer about being the best company in the world, but it's about being the best company for the world. And all this also related to the church. And I began to sense, oh, I think this is my next season. But, you know, I, I was so grateful in the sense that there's there's some grief associated with that because that meant that you were leaving people and organizations that you loved. And I would rather have it that way There's versus I'm out of here, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, but I'll say this. You were a model to follow because you did the exact same thing. And, I, you know, I, I, I kid you, but it's actually true. I think you're like three to four or five years ahead of me in all your decisions. Um, and so if it's okay to flip this, because I've actually interviewed you on your podcast before. Um, talk about Connexus and, and when you, one of the best transitions, leadership transitions I've ever seen, not just church, but the whole organization, the way you and Jeff Brody handled that and the elders. But what were you sensing when you, when you left Connexus? Well, it'll be interesting to compare notes because we are in the great resignation. 42% of pastors in 2022 are seriously thinking about leaving. So I did right. my transition back in 2015. So the, the not short answer to the question is, even as a young adult, I realized a lot of leaders stay too soon. And I thought I had one church in me when I was called to Oro, which is north of Toronto. And that's basically the church we're still a part of. I'm just founding pastor now, which means I don't do anything and have no significance. So that's just like you started something years ago. That's it. But um, I kind of knew as a young leader that if you stay too long, it's a problem. And then as my leadership developed, I'm like, oh, succession is a massive issue, particularly for founders. So I always had that in the back of my mind. And then there were a couple of factors that came together. One was who is going to take this over? Because it grew to be one of the larger churches in our country. And, you know, not the largest by any stretch, but we had over a thousand attenders and three or 4,000 people who called Connexus home. And in the Canadian context, that's a, it's a very large church. Huge. And yeah. yeah. And so I just was at the point where I was trying to figure out, okay, who could do this? And I had someone I had hired a few years earlier to do student ministry that I then challenged to become our executive director of uh, sort of administration, gave Jeff the building project, Jeff Brody the building project when we were building our broadcast location. And so I did the vision casting and the fundraising and the big stuff, but I said, you're logistics. And I thought, you know, I'm going to see how he does. And around that time, I had found that I was motivated by big goals. And so my day-to-day -day enthusiasm for meetings and administration was declining. The stuff that used to energize me didn't energize me. And the only thing I was really enjoying anymore as I was getting into my late 40s, I was still enjoying teaching. I was enjoying vision casting. And I was enjoying, enjoying the super high-level leadership decisions. And I'm like, yeah, but this, this church needs more. And Jeff was a decade, is, is, I guess that doesn't change, a decade younger than me. You and I are like a week apart. We always text each other on our birthdays. That's right. <laughs> same year, same month, the whole deal. March birthdays. And uh, so anyway, uh, Brody was a, a, a decade younger than me. And so that's when we, when we opened the broadcast location, we went almost immediately into succession conversations. And six months after we opened our broadcast location, I took a demotion to teaching pastor and founding pastor. And I taught for four years, kept a full-time teaching load, scaled back to halftime in 2020. And then really I'm not on the teaching team or doing anything significant at the church anymore. So, and Jeff's doing a great job. So that was the reason though, was concerned about succession, 
worried about what I saw inside myself, the boredom with the job and the lack of interest. And then Mm -hmm. there was this whole leadership sphere that I wanted to pursue more. How about you? In, in the middle of in the middle of all that, there's two things that are really helpful to point out. I think one of the reasons sometimes leaders hold on too long is because they're holding on to security, right? Uh, you know, the older that you get, the more security I need to have a paycheck, which totally makes sense. There's security, and they're also holding on to that identity. All right, I am the. So when I go to a party and somebody asks me what I do, I've got a really clear answer. I'm the pastor of this, or I'm the owner of this. And when you the when you make a transition, the older that you get the more the security and identity get rocked. But you and I know leaders who have hold, who've held on to security and identity for so long that their effectiveness have, has waned in that organization. And so I didn't want that to be me and you didn't want that to be you. Um, there's an old adage when someone asked Clint Eastwood, why do you keep making movies in your 80s? And he says, because I don't want the old man to win, right? And so one of the ways that you don't let the, the old person win is you've got to be really open-handed with, uh, with your identity I mean, we know clearly, uh, you know, if there's values and faith-based, all that kind of stuff, that, that those are your identities that are, that are unquestioned. But the identity in terms of who you, what you do, that's, you got to hold on loosely to that. And then security, if you're holding on to security, but you're like, you know what, but I think I could go do that. And it's going to rock my identity and security. In the three moves I've had over the last 23 years, both security and identity have been rocked each and every time. But it's so hmm. helpful being on the other side of that because it's reminding me, hey, don't get so I, caught up in an identity of what you do because, you know, there's the old identity. If you are what you do, you're not when you no longer do that, right? And so you got to be really careful with that. And so this season was another, another opportunity for me to kind of let go of security. This is the first time in my life, Kira, that I haven't gotten paid every two weeks. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm working for a for a company and I get a paycheck every two weeks. Like now it's you know you're in this similar situation. You're getting, you're, getting, you're trying to build recurring revenue. You're you know you're out speaking and writing and and all of this. And so you're trying to figure all that out. And then um, but it's this new season and it's been uncomfortable. But discomfort is the price for growth. So this is really interesting because I'm I'm glad you raised that security and identity. So let's talk about security because you know I've studied succession enough and and know enough people who actually do succession for a living, like help churches and church leaders with succession for a living to know that the financial piece is important. I look at my career and I think I've had a great career of downward mobility. I left law. Like when you left Chick Fil A, I'm taking it wasn't for a pay raise. Is that accurate, Jeff? <laughs> Down, downward mobility would be a, a, a great, plunging downward mobility, yes. Plunging downward mobility. So it was a significant pay cut. I mean, I, I had an right, opportunity right. to make literally 2X the money in law in Toronto starting out. And that was like the base salary. Wow. And and then right. came up to an hour north of Toronto and, and started working for a lot less. And, you know, God took care of us. And then when we started Connexus and left a denomination, I had to give up a pension plan. And uh, wow. that was challenging. And then, you know, seven years ago, I, I took a 20% pay cut because the elders wanted to honor me. And I'm like, you know what? Jeff needs to be paid better than me. I know what our budget is. Just mm-hmm. give me a pay cut. Pay me, pay me mm-hmm. the next level down in the church. Mm-hmm. But I was putting... Wow two sons through university at the time, college. And, you know, engineering and accounting, not cheap degrees. 
And for right. my wife, Tony, and I, it was a real question about, okay, where is this money going to come from? The gap, the 20% pay cut I was taking uh, from my old job. And you know what? We didn't know, but it resolved itself so quickly. And it was just like whatever gap there was, God somehow filled it in. I don't really know. And then I moved into, you know, a few years ago, uh, just totally. It's it's this company that was really a hobby 10 years ago that has now become a thing that employs, you know, eight of us and et cetera, et cetera, and is able to reach millions of leaders around the world. But I didn't know that ahead of time. Like talk about, because I think knowing you as I have over the years, security is important to you. You're not, you're not by, you are a risk taker but you're not a gambler. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, and let me back up. What you just described is so helpful uh, in terms of your decision-making process because you, you know, you had to, you had to figure out, okay, what, what am I doing uh, financially? But I remember it wasn't, you know, too long ago when you called me and said, Hey, I think I want to launch a podcast. And would you be one of the first guests on this? And and who knew that, I mean, I love you and you're one of my best friends, but I don't think you had any idea that it would be this gigantic, right? But what you were <laughs> not, doing- Not even close. Right. It's a, it was a, what I call in the book a side hustle. Like, hey, I'm going to kind of go over here and launch a podcast and here's, I'm going to experiment with over this. You didn't know that you'd have all these millions of downloads and all this kind of stuff. And that's what people look at stories like you, like, oh, well, I wish I could launch a podcast and, and instantly have millions of downloads. You didn't instantly have millions of downloads. It was, you know, it, it happened quicker than you thought, and it's bigger than you thought. But that's kind of the deal, these side hustles that you're experimenting out there. Uh, one of the things I do right now is I coach business executives on how to make their next presentation their best presentation. Well, Part of that was a side hustle I did years ago with Preaching Rocket when I launched an online preaching coaching program for pastors. Well, I didn't know that 12 or so many years later, that would be a core component of this new season of mine. So these side hustles are really, really important to, to help you bridge, you know, what I call from now to next. So I just, I, I think that's really, really, um, really important. Um, but I think being open and honest with, is this season, you know, has this season come to an end? And I had a personal advisory board, many of whom you know, who spoke into this and said, hey, we think there's a, we think this season is coming to an end for you because you're an empty nester. And I felt like, and some others felt like, hey, I wonder if a lead pastor needs to have, at least in a multi-site church, the lead, that campus pastor needs to have a, um, some kids in family ministry. And we didn't anymore. So as a result of that, maybe this season is coming into an end. So all these things swirling. But one of the most important things for me is Wendy and I were on the same page going, let's, let's pursue, let's see where this thing's going. And then I had some advisors speaking into it as well. Hmm. I remember processing that with you. You were very gracious with your time and you and I talked all the time when you were considering a move and everything. But let's go back to the financial piece for a minute, Jeff, because... You know, it's not like you had you were living paycheck to paycheck. You're you're wise with the money that God's entrusted you with, but there was a big question mark about: Do I have a business model? Because you've written the four book, right? You had right. written that. You were speaking around the country on four, but that wasn't exactly a guaranteed thing that the four company, yeah. as it would become, would be able to move from side hustle to complete replacement of the income that you might have had as a, as a lead pastor of uh, some of the North Point churches. So 
Talk about the process and any fear that maybe you encountered around that security piece. If I can go back to the Chick-fil-A to Buckhead Church piece, before that happened, before Buckhead Church, even before the church thing was on the horizon, we went through two financial small groups at North Point, which we were attending at the time, North Point Community Church, way back in the day. And this is when I was at Chick-fil-A, right? So Wendy and I are still fairly newly married. So we go through not one, but two financial small groups to get our finances in order. That was so helpful, Carrie, because one of the heartbreaking things I see is when next arrives in somebody, they see it, there's an opportunity, and they can't pursue it because they're not ready financially to take that pay cut that you had to take leaving law to go to launch a church and the pay cut we had to leave from Chick-fil-A to join uh, church staff as well. So if one of the most important important things to get ready for a season of waiting is to get your finances in order. That being said, to your question, I probably violated the biggest thing you shouldn't do in career transitions. Don't quit your job if you don't have a job, right? (laughs) Even the previous ones, even the previous ones, I was going to something, right? Uh, I was leaving Chick-fil-A for Buckhead, for Buckhead to Gwinnett Church. Now it's Gwinnett Church to what is this actually going to be? And it's an idea. But I had, a, I had enough, of a, enough of an inkling, enough of some intuition to go, I think it's worth pursuing. Because I had gone on a 40-city book tour with the four message. So, and it was resonating with both churches and businesses. So I knew, okay, I've done some field work to know there's something here. It wasn't like I was just throwing caution to the wind. Um, I had some relationships that said, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll you know, there's a, a three to six months, you know, work that you can do. You, you do some things in the early days that I did two years ago that I'm not doing anymore because I don't have to do it anymore. But, but those were like, hey, I got to, we got to, you know, keep, I got two kids in college at the time, that kind of a deal. So, um, so we were, we have got, you know, back, you know, years ago with those two financial small groups, key. But knowing, okay, this is worth the risk. And a lot of people have asked me, how did, how did you eliminate risk? I didn't. You never can. <laughs> you never will. There's, you know, sometimes the greatest risk isn't leaving. Sometimes the greatest risk is staying. I mean, and I Ooh. see a lot of people that will cling on to that identity and that, you know, that security only to get called into a meeting to go, hey, we've made a decision. We've eliminated your department. You have to go now. So, be careful what you're holding on to because sometimes the greatest risk isn't leaving. So, mm. um, but yeah, there was some, there was certainly uh, some sleepless nights where I woke up and go, oh my goodness, what what have I done? Uh, in fact, I put a picture, the very first chapter of the book, I put a picture of my last day at Gwinnett Church. And um, I just said, I don't know if you can see this or not, but let me tell you what's going through this guy's mind. What have I done? Can I, you know, this is so dumb. This is the biggest risk. Oh, no. But you know what, Carrie? Those are the same questions I was asking, the same thoughts and emotions I had when I was leaving Chick-fil-A. So I'd been here before. I knew that I had a group of people, you being one of them, who had spoken into this decision and say, no, we give you a green light um, to move ahead. And so that gave me um, the clarity to, to, to keep moving, keep moving forward. Was it harder at 55 than it was at 25 to make a move like that? Absolutely. And I have a friend, uh, Daniel Harkavy. Daniel said, the older we get, the more risk we should take. But we don't. 
the older we get, the more comfortable we can get. And the reason we don't is because there's so much at stake, right? I mean, if I, you know, if I let go of this and it doesn't work now, I mean, and I understand all of that. There's financial implications to all of that. But at the end of the day, I don't want to stop dreaming. At the end of the day, I don't want to stop moving forward. And the other thing I've discovered is that there are people that I now know that I didn't know just two years ago. I mean, I'm going to uh, San Antonio tomorrow to speak to um, the National School Board Association. I would not have done that if I had not kept moving forward and, and, and walking forward. There are millions of people listening to this podcast who would not have been impacted by it if you had not, you know, said, hey, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And and so it's just, I can remember I was at North Point. I recorded the first pot time I've been on your podcast. I was in a um, staff meeting room at North Point. And I'm like, Carrie, I'll do anything for you. I don't know what this is, but yeah, I'll do it. And now look at what's happened. So <laughs> those, I think people look at somebody like you and go, oh, he had it all figured out the whole time. I think oh, one yeah. of the things that I wanted to do in this book is to say, no, 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 no. It's, it's a journey. It's, it's, it's a lot of losses that sometimes you don't see. There's a lot of setbacks. But the difference with Carrie and so many other people is Carrie kept moving. And you were consistent. I mean, consistent, consistent, consistent. I mean, you post consistently. This podcast is consistent. Um, and that's that's part of what le led you to this great season is you kept going and moving forward consistently. So your new book, Jeff, is called What to Do Next, uh, Taking your best step when life is uncertain. It's basically a career transition guide. It's brilliant. I had the opportunity to read an early copy when you were first writing it. It's, it's, it's a great book. But I want to go back because I want to get to identity too. But I want to know the deciding factor for you. Like what pushed you over the edge? Because I'll, I'll give you mine because you asked me earlier. But you're, you're taking me back to stuff I don't think about very, very often. But seven years ago in 2015, I had spent three months, the summer really praying, God, is this the time for a transition? Is this the time to hand things over to Jeff Brody and, and for me to step back? And, you know, it was one of those things. And it was mostly people saying, yeah, you can do this. But almost everybody was like, you're too young. You're barely 50. Like, what are you doing? Like, you've got another five, 10 years left. But internally, right. I felt the pull and I felt the push. But then I got into, at the 11th hour, I got into this almost power um, move. It felt a little like Matthew 4, you know, the temptation in the wilderness. And I remember going on a bike ride. And I remember thinking, you know, I'm still the lead pastor. Like, once you say, I resign, you, say you don't get that back. You can't go back the next day and go, I unresign. And I said, this took 20 years to build. Like, I have the opportunity to hang on to this longer. And I had a few people who said, you know, you should just ride it for another five or 10 years, but I don't want to ride anything for five or 10 years. Right. So I went on a bike ride as I normally do when I try to figure out which end is up. And I remember driving down the road and really riding down the road and really praying about it. And I just said, God, what do you want me to do? And I remember he kind of took me in my mind back to law. And I remembered walking out of the Law Society of Upper Canada, which is our bar association, having resigned and going into seminary. And I felt a prompting that said, did you regret that? I'm like, no, not for a minute. That was the right decision. And then I turned the corner and I go up a road and I passed the church we built when I was still part of a denomination before we launched Connexus. And uh, <laughs> he's like, do, do, you, do you resent, do you uh, regret 
leaving the denomination. I'm like, nope. And then I heard, so trust me. If you could trust me leaving wow. law, if you could trust me starting Connexus, I think you can trust me now. You don't have all the questions. I don't think we ever taken sponsors on the podcast. Like I didn't have a revenue model or anything. He's just like, trust me. I'm like, okay. And on that day, it was a final decision. And I said to Tony, when I got wow. home, I have peace about it. Let's go. And so now we get the privilege of serving, you know, as you said, millions of leaders a year in, in this, but I didn't know what it was. Right. If you look at the growth chart, it was a baby compared to what it is today. So I want to know, did you have a moment mm -hmm. like that? Mm -hmm. Did you have a day? Did you have a bike ride? Yours would have been a run or a CrossFit or something like that. But did you have a moment? <laughs> well, I did. I did. I think I had a series of moments leading up to the moment I'm going to describe. And I'll try to get through. You, you're, you're one of my best friends, so this note comes no surprise to you. But I'll try to get through this without getting emotional. But it was really a, it was really those moments that that a series of moments that led up to this moment. It, to give you a little context, we were planning on leaving in May of 2020. That was when Cole was going to graduate. Then obviously COVID hit in March. We're like, okay, we can't do that. We got to stick around <laughs> for a while. Um, North Point had decided not, okay, later on in the year, hey, uh, we just don't feel like it's the right thing to do to, to open up our church. So we were going to, we decided not to open up until the rest of the year. And then I began to realize, okay, I'm going to be making decisions for the two lead pastors. There were two Gwinnett churches that I was leading. I'm going to be making decisions in the future that they're going to have to live with. That's not fair to them. So we got back with all of our advisors, you being included, and said, hey, let's, I think September is when we need to go. You know, so we were thinking through that. All of our advisors, including you, were giving us a green light. And then I got, uh, we went to this little Mexican restaurant uh, with our family and Jesse was in town from college. And um, so we were walking her and Cole through this because I think if you're a parent and your kids are teenagers or adults, you need to factor them into these decisions, at least if they're still kind of, you know, on the payroll, if you will. Totally. And um, so, because this wasn't just my decision. This wasn't just Wendy and my decision. It was our decision as a family. And so, um, so I was walking them through this and, you know, said, you know, we love it here, but we think this is the right time, the whole thing. Right. And Jesse looks at me and she says, dad, it's time. It's been great. We've loved it, but it's time. And I just, I lost it. Wendy lost it. Jesse, um, I think lost it. Cole kept eating his cheese dip, uh, cause he's not as much emotional as, as the rest of us. Uh, and that was the moment where I was like, okay, we've been released because of the, these are the three most important people in my life, my wife and my two kids, and all three of them are saying, and then Jesse voiced it to say, hey, dad, it's time, it's time to go. And that was just, uh, and I, I mean, I write about that in the book, like that was just the moment where I just knew, okay, now it didn't make it easy, didn't mean that there wasn't a lot of grief um, of just, because again, we didn't leave a job. We left a church that we started. I mean, I came up with the name, Gwinnett Church, you know. <laughs> Uh, I didn't just hire staff members. I hired, hired friends. I wanted to give my life to, to these wonderful people. Um, so when you, and I don't think people really appreciate that about pastors. And when pastors no. leave, they're not just leaving a job, they're leaving their community. They're leaving their church. I mean, we made your we, support we left our church, network. We left our community. Yeah, all of that. And uh, now one of the pieces of advice I've always received, well, at least in these you know years of transition is, Jeff, when you leave, leave, don't linger. And uh, I, th I see a lot of pe leaders that leave, but then they linger around because they can't really leave. And um, so we just felt like, you know, it's time for us to leave and we want to give the leaders all the opportunities to go ahead and, and leave. We don't want to linger. But that that's hard because you you love these people that aren't just staff members, they're, they're family. They impacted your kids and your lives. 
So there's a lot of emotions. And I know you felt the same way when you left Connexus. So there's a lot of swirling in that. But that moment when Jesse said, uh, it's time, Dad, that was that was the the key moment for me to go, okay, that's it. That's the final. It was a series of moments, but that was the moment that kind of released me. Let's talk about identity. I mean, you had a, a very great career with the Braves and then Chick-fil-A. And then you were leading, really, a, a church, a campus of North Point that was getting, you know, national recognition for your work at Buckhead Church to start over again with, you know, a staff team that could fit in a single booth at a restaurant and starting what would become Gwinnett Church, right? And now you're going into, or you went into, as you, you've indicated, the great unknown. What is the four company? It's an idea in your head. That's right. all it is. You got a little bit right. of side hustle with a little bit of data, but it's not, you know, you're not walking into this exploding, growing company knowing what's happening. What right. Talk about the shift in identity because it's security, we we covered that a little bit, but let's talk about identity. What did that do to your identity in some of those transitions that you made, Jeff? Mm-hmm. I think an interesting one to think through is when I left Buckhead Church to start all over at a church in Gwinnett that didn't have a name. You know, so I go from serving thousands of people at Buckhead Church to there's no one attending Gwinnett Church because Gwinnett Church doesn't even have a name. I mean, we we didn't launch until ten months after you know I left Buckhead, so mm-hmm. I you know, what do you do? So that was a season of unknowns. That was a season of where do we even go to church now, right? In terms of the whole leave, don't linger, we didn't go to Buckhead anymore. We went to North Point. Um, and so that was this whole 10 months of wh- what do we do and what's my identity? And, you know, the big question I was getting was when are we going to launch Gwinnett Church? And I wanted to make sure that I didn't launch it because it gave me an identity, right? When, we, when people ask me, when, we, when are we launching the church? I would say, I don't know. We have two answers to that. And I'm not the one making the decision. We want a certain number of people that are giving financially to our church. And we want a certain number of people that are in small groups. And we can do both of those without a building or without running a facility. So until we get those two numbers, we're not going to launch. So really the question to me, from me to you is, have you signed up to give? And has you signed up to get in a small group? So I wanted to make sure that we were we were launching not because of anything within me, but because I wanted to launch as effectively and as strongly as we could. But that was a big change because now I'm no longer the pastor of this big buckhead church. I'm this pastor of this church that doesn't exist, that doesn't even have a name. And where are we meeting? And when is this going to start? And it was just, it was challenging. So same thing with this season. Um, and every season that transitions the same, you know, I, when I left Chick-fil-A, I Pretty big job at Chick-fil-A. And now I'm, I'm trying to explain, well, yeah, the, so there's going to be this screen and it's going to be in this uh, grocery store that closed down, but we're going to, you know, it's the whole description of what this church is going to be. As I'm trying to describe it, I'm thinking this is going to be a total and colossal failure. So when people are asking me, you're leaving going to church, what are you doing? Well, I wrote this book and, you know, it's, we want to be known for what we're for, not against. And, and they're kind of looking at me puzzled and they're, they're thinking, what? And so, but the great thing for me, Carrie, is I've been here before. I, I, it's just a part of, part of it. And I'm discovering it as we go along. Even when we launched Four Gwinnett, which a lot of churches do now around the world, even then people would ask me, what is this? I'm like, well, we're going to discover it. I think it's an idea worth pursuing, but we're going to discover it as, as we go. And um, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm discovering what we're doing as we go along. And it's been exciting. But you've got to have a lot of wisdom and a lot of innovation at the same time and a lot of patience. Um, but 
really understanding that there's some things underneath all of that that's happening in your soul that's really important for you to pay attention to. Because the, when you talk about, you know, what to do next, there's the hard skills of side hustles and personal network. You know, your personal network, I think, determines largely your personal network because who you know is really more important than what, you know, what you know. All those, those are hard skills. The technical skills, if you will. These soft skills, the emotional skills, what's really going on the surface, that's really a gift if you'll pay attention to it um, because that'll help you be a better person as you as you move through this. I want to be a better person than I have been before. I want there to be growth. And seasons of next reveal things to you that you can't see sometimes in the present. There's this thing, Jeff, and I know you know this, but it's a game I play with myself on a semi-regular basis and have done it for years, which is, you know, one day when I'm not a pastor, one day when I'm not a podcaster, and there will be a day, you know, barring a car accident or a plane crash or something like that, right? But eventually all of this goes away. And the question I keep asking myself is, who am I when all of this goes away? Mm -hmm. And I don't know that that's a fair answer. I mean, I think I've, I've disentangled myself from my identity as the leader of Conexus because even when I go there now, half the people don't even know who I am because they're all new. Right. Which is great. That's, that's fantastic. And I think I've extracted myself from that. But then I do have this podcast. I do get to fly around the world and speak to leaders. And, you know, I'm trying to prepare myself for the day where no one calls, no one asks, where you're not in demand. You're like, is my email working? Because like nobody is emailing me or messaging me anymore. Maybe, maybe right. my cell phone broke. I don't know. Right. But there, there, right. that day comes. Do you ever think about that? Right. And if so, how are you preparing yourself for like, who are you when all of this goes away? I don't know if you remember this or not. I think you do, but you gave me so much great advice. But one of the best pieces of advice you gave me was, Jeff, you'll be surprised by how quickly you're forgotten. Don't be surprised. And Thank you, Gordon McDonald, and, for giving me that advice. But yes, I do. I'm not a very <laughs> nice friend, am I? <laughs> No, it's true though. And that's actually helpful. It was helpful because it was it was not surprising to me. And we shouldn't be surprised because the organization needs to move on. The organization needs to move forward, right? I mean, I had another friend of mine say, hey, the the Gwinnett Church train, you got off the train. They had to keep moving. And you're waiting for your next train to come by. It'll come by, but you know, it's it's you're 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 waiting on it. And so that was so helpful for me to go, that's right, I'm going to be quickly forgotten. And that's actually a good thing because now, okay, wh why? Then that you have to ask the question, why does that bother me? Why do I want to be remembered? Why do I not want people to forgive me? Mm. And all of that, and all of those are very uncomfortable questions that we can uh, bury under very busy schedules. And and I could, I could have buried those questions under, I got to launch a business and I got to go. But I hired a transition consultant to help me move through not just the emotions of it, but to, you know, how do I launch a business? And I've never been on my own before and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you this idea, this, this reality that of how quickly you're forgotten is going to be true for not just you and me. It's true for every leader. And it's a part of it. But to, if we come to grips with that and understand it and have a process with it and know, hey, no, here's the great thing about, you know, your transition, Carrie is people haven't forgotten you. But if the organization imploded after you left, that was the biggest leadership test that you passed, is that the organization did not implode yeah. when you left. 
Um, if the organization keeps going and the leaders know how to lead and they keep moving the organization forward, that's the, you pass. Congratulations, Kieran Yukoff. You passed the leadership test. <laughs> it was not dependent on you. Well, Did they forget about you? I don't know. Maybe, but that's a good thing. They forgot about you. Yeah. And so I'm glad you brought that up and sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but that was, that was something that I had to learn. You know, you go from thousands of people who, you know, you're like, oh, look at all these people I know. And then eventually now, seven years later, we're down to a handful of really true friends that we track with. And that's good. I was their pastor. I wasn't their buddy. I wasn't their best friend. I wasn't like I played a role in their lives. But that gets really confusing. Like that messes with your head where you think you 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 are. How did you deal with the because that was painful in seasons for me. How how did you deal with the pain of realizing, oh, I've got one one hundredths of the texts I used to get when I was a lead pastor of Gwinnett Church, and I actually thought we were friends, and now maybe we're not. Like how how did you process all that? Well, I have counseling and and, and, and mentors and friends that allow me to to process with them and process this journey. And uh, like Bob Lewis, the transition consultant, uh, he, he said, he just said, Jeff, all this is normal. This is what I do for a living. I help leaders process the emotions that you're just, so I just felt like, you know, I'm the only person that's ever experienced this. He goes, this is, this is how I make my living. I help leaders process through exactly what you're talking about. And so it just helped for me to have a game plan from a counseling uh, standpoint to process these emotions because I, I, I could have talked myself into, I got to launch a business. I got to make contacts. I got to go out and speak. I got to do this thing, which was all true. I needed to do that. But if I had let that overshadow the internal work on that, um, I would have, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't have. And again, we're all a works in progress. So please hear me say that. But I feel like I'm, I'm trending as our mutual friend, Sean C says, I'm trending toward healthy in this whole process. Right. And, uh, but recognizing that transitions like this are really, really important and hard. And that's why in the book, I talk about grief. And I, and I actually put in the book, I know you didn't buy this book to talk about grief during a season of transitions of next, but it's, it's really, really important. And, you know, and how you leave the organization is really, really important. Now, how you leave the organization is one thing. How the organization leaves you is another thing, but don't confuse those two. The only one that you have control over is how you leave the organization and you have to finish as well as you possibly can. How the organization leaves you and finishes with you, that's up to them. So I think understanding at the end of the day, there are truths that you and I would would 100% agree on that it should not be about, a you know, it connects should not be about Kerry Newhoff, but your identity was part of that, right? Um, sure. Gwinnett church or Chick-fil-A or, you know, bucket should not be a, a part of my identity was wrapped up in that. So pulling that identity away, um, you're, you're pulling away some, some, some tendons and some, some muscles that have been, you know, wrapped around your identity. That's going to hurt, but it's healthy. It's, it's, it's what working out does, right? It, it stretches your muscles and, and that's what, it's it's a uh, it's hard, but it's worth the 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 pain of going through that because again, you're growing into a new version of you. Well, and you were so helpful to me at the time of my transition because I remember some phone calls with you, and you were like, "Carrie, just finish well, just finish well. Err on the side of generosity." Um, 
you know, go over and above. And that was such good advice because there are conflicting emotions. And sometimes you don't even know where those emotions are coming from. And I'm, you know, emotionally mature enough to not even know what I'm feeling half the time. So that was really helpful. I'd love to know how, how you navigated. Like, what did finishing well at Gwinnett look like to you? And what advice would you give to leaders who need to finish well? Well, I have a principle that's in the book that the better you finish your current season, the better you begin your next season. And I just feel like that's a part of, you know, trying to finish as well emotionally healthy and valuing everybody. So six weeks, I put in a six-week notice. So I got together with our leadership team and said, okay, everybody, here's what I think I need to do for the next six weeks to set you up for as much success as I possibly can. So I'm going to preach a sermon series. I'm going to write all these notes to volunteers. I'm going to meet with the staff individually to thank them. I'm going to do, you know, a few other things. Is there anything on this list that you could tell me that you would want me to do before I leave here? Because for the next six weeks, I work for you. I mean, I, I, hopefully you've mm. felt like I've been serving you for these 10 years, but I work for you. Tell me what else I need to do on this because I am not going to take off and go play golf for four weeks. Uh, I'm going to be working right up to the very, very end. And uh, they all looked at this list. In fact, I can, I think I sent you actually the presentation I sent to the, to the leaders and it was called Finishing Well and uh, for our leadership team. And they all agreed, that's exactly, if you'll do that over the next six weeks, you'll hand off the baton to us and we'll be, we'll be ready to go. So, great. So I had kind of my marching orders uh, for that. And that, that was so helpful. Um, in the midst of that, I wrote every staff member at Gwinnett Church uh, a handwritten thank you note, and a lot of the leaders at North Point, um, a handwritten thank you note, and I mailed them on my last day there. Because I wanted those notes to show up after I was no longer there, just to say, hey, thank you for the incredible season. Thank you for that. Which I genuinely, obviously, uh, these are um, these are amazing people doing amazing work and just so great. And I was so blessed to have a brief moment of my life, uh, or well, in this case, 18 years of my life associated with so many of them. So that was, that was awesome. So just having a game plan, knowing what I was doing for those six weeks helped me. I talked to a lot of leaders and they said, okay, I'm leaving in a few weeks. I go, what's your game plan? I don't really have one. Okay, we got to have a game plan. You know, what, <laughs> it, what work can you be doing to make sure that you finish well? Um, and so I, it's interesting to me in a lot of leadership circles, we don't talk about how to finish well as much as we should. And now finishing well isn't a two-week, four-week, six-week notice. It's doing the hard work so that you can be emotionally healthy enough to say, hey, I am going to finish the season well, and um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work right up to the very moment that I possibly can because they're still paying me. So they, they deserve my very, very best all the way up to the, to the very, very end. So I see a lot of folks take off their, their foot off the gas pedal because, hey, what are they going to do? Fire me? I'm not going to be here anymore, right? That kind of attitude isn't very honoring for you. It's really not honoring for the people that, that you have worked with. So that's what I did with our leadership team and, uh, and actually met with my boss, Lane Jones, and said, hey, Lane, here's the things over the next six weeks. Are you, are you, does, this, does this sound good, good to you? And he gave me thumbs up on that. And, um, and so that was, that was helpful. And Lane told me right before I left, he said, Hey, um, you have left us very, very well. When someone leaves North Point, I'll point to them about how you, how you left the season leading up to, you know, your last day here in September of 2020. So that, that meant a lot to me, but again, I've had, I've been, I've had these seasons, you know, from Chick-fil-A, Buckhead to Gwinnett, and there will be this season here, you know, and I don't know what a next season for a company that you own, you know, how that ends up. 
But, you know, it's, it's, it, I, so what I'm going to do is just see how you do it. And then again, like I said, I'm three or four years behind you and everything I do. So, so anyway, I, that finishing well to me is so, a, such an important part of what to do next. Because we always, as leaders, we're always looking ahead, but there's a portion of us that needs to look back, honor the past, honor the present before you move to the future. That's such a Jeff Henderson move to to write a handwritten note to every staff member, key volunteers, colleagues, bosses. But I love what you say because I think there's a part of me, if I did something like that, that would want a medal, right? I would want some kind of medal. I would want some kind of reciprocity. And I love the principle. And again, you outline a lot of this in What to Do Next, your new book. But uh, I love the principle, and tell me if I've got this right, that you're responsible for how you leave the organization, but you're not responsible for how the organization leaves you. I imagine that not all of those notes were acknowledged and that maybe you got a handful of replies. Is that true uh, or not? Did you get like hundreds of replies and acknowledgments? No, I didn't. But, you know, you, that's not why you do it. Right, you 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 want to say thank ah, you. Ah, there you go. That's and, where I'm going. That's where I'm going. Yeah, you you want to say thank you, and um, and that's that's again that goes back to you know how you how you want how do you want to leave? What what's the lasting uh, impression? While you're a staff member, what's the lasting impression? And I, I mean, I it took me a while to. I went. It was really early in the morning, and I went to the post office, and obviously the post office was closed, and it took me a while because. I, I didn't count all these, Carrie, but I, I'd probably say it's about 150 notes that I wrote over the span of six six weeks, and I had to kind of stuff them in the little you know chute of the post post office thing. And uh, but I'll say this: it was so therapeutic for me to write these notes to people who had had such an impact on my life over some 18 years, some two years, um, and to go, hey, thank you. But specifically, here's what you you know have meant to me, and so grateful, and and all that. And um, it was really helpful for me to write these letters out as part of the grieving process, I think. So whether whether I got a response or not, to me, it's just the therapeutic process of, of, hey, thank you. And wow, what a special honor it was to be a part of this. Um, that was part of the, the, the kind of the therapy uh, for me of being able to say thank you. That's why I asked. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so a bit of a lightning round. Um, you hired a transition coach. First of all, I did not even know when you told me you hired a transition coach at the time. I'm like, I didn't even know that. <laughs> Never heard of one. Didn't know it existed. Um, what did the transition coach do for you? And what did you learn in the process? I know it's in the book, but I'd love you to share. Yeah, well, I actually have a diagram in the book that he gave me our first session together. And it was basically kind of a half smile or kind of a skateboard or half pipe. And he said, here's our goal, Jeff. Um, you're going to have some good days and you're going to think you're really doing, you know, a lot better than you are. And then you're going to, like a skateboarder, you're going to go back and it's going to be this, you know, back and forth. You're going to have really one good day and two bad days and two good days and one really bad day. And what I'm here to do is to help you get so much, so much momentum that you crest over to the other side and you're moving toward what's next. Um, but in a, in a transition, especially in a leadership transition that you've been in, where you were, you were a key leader um, in, organ, in an organization, um, it's going to take you uh, a little bit longer to crest that hill. And it was, he was so right. Because Kerry, I would, you know, I'd call him and say, hey, I, 
I think I'm doing this a little quicker than you thought. You know, I'm, I might be the exception to this rule, Bob. And, you know, his name's Bob Lewis, as I mentioned. And, and he would just smile. And then I'd call him two days later and go, no, you're right. I, you know, I had, a, had a bad day or whatever. And, uh, but just, I think helping me understand, hey, Jeff, the emotions that you're feeling and all the stuff that, you know, comes with next, this is what I do for a living you're not weird. It's all normal. Keep moving forward. Then there was the actual business part of this. One of the best strategies he gave me was don't fill up your calendar too quick because you're going to feel the mm. pressure to go, oh no, you know, I got to, I got to, you know, make income or revenue. I got to fill up my calendar. He goes, no, no, no. Let's talk through. Every opportunity that comes through is not a yes. It's we need to consider it. So don't fill up your calendar. That was so such helpful advice. And then Wendy why. would come Why wouldn't you? Because it's intuitive to fill up your calendar. So why was that good advice? He was concerned that I would fill it up too quickly and better opportunities would come around and I would already be locked in and said, I'm sorry, I've committed to a three-month you know, project to this company. And uh, I mean, I, you know, I guess you could break a contract or whatever, but that, I didn't want to do that. So he just said, you know, let's just talk about each opportunity. Let's talk about how long they are. Let's let's talk about it before you agree to it because you're going to feel, uh, you know, the the natural propensity to, I got to fill up my calendar to make, you know, income. So that's a part of next. Wendy would come on and just, he would just say, hey, how are y'all doing? What's going on? How are you feeling about this? It's interesting to me. I bet Tony, your wife, would would concur. Wendy was never concerned about the business. She was not one moment concerned. I was really concerned, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Wendy believes, Wendy believes more in me than I believe in me. I think Tony believes in you more than you believe in you. So, and not to speak for Tony, but Wendy was like, I don't, I don't, we're going to be fine. I don't worry about this business. It's going to be great. And she was right. So I mean, we, God has really, really blessed us. So I think hearing both of them go, no, that's not the right opportunity. Or yes, that's the right opportunity. Yes, let's pursue that. Oh, that's what this is, this is coming to be. And um, I had another mutual friend of ours, Jordan Rayner, who said, hey, Jeff, don't feel like you have to have an answer to the question, what are you doing right now? You can just say, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm figuring it out. That was freeing for me as well. And now I've got a multiple things that we're doing, which is so fun and exciting. But at the same time, what Bob helped me do is to give myself some white space in my calendar to figure this out. Um, and then and just have somebody who's a very knowledgeable business person saying, hey, have you thought about what you want to do with health insurance? You know, and here's some ideas on, on that. Just some practical stuff. We went through kind of a vision exercise of what is what do we want the company to do? And a lot of those things are just great questions to think about that I would not have thought about on my own. And and finally, Carrie, the other thing is, is um, you know, I was the thing that I, that surprised me as an introvert, you know I'm an introvert, is I was lonely. I went from serving 60 staff over two churches to going to a coffee shop and opening up my laptop all by myself. And it was really, really lonely. And Bob said, okay, I get that, but we don't hire people to be our friends, Jeff. So let's, let's, let's not, let's not make hiring decisions because you're lonely. Okay. Well, and, and he also kind of pointed us in direction of, of making sure we're running a profitable business and that here's how you manage your expenses and all that. So there were some practical business advice that I knew that he reinforced. There was some that I didn't know that he introduced me to, but then just the understanding of the, the emotions that came with it and that this is what 
most every leader feels like when they're making a transition like this. That was just helpful to know that that it was it wasn't just me. Well, and that's a that's a credit to you, Jeff, because I mean, as you describe those things, I'm like, I think Jeff would know that, and you probably did know that some of it anyway. And yet, if you look at top athletes, they're the ones with the most coaches, right? They're the ones who's like, hey, on that swing, uh, try moving your hands this way. Or what about if you readjust your, your foot position just a little bit? And so that's a credit to you. Now, the book, I've made it sound like it's an autobiography. It's not. Um, you do share some of your own personal experience, but it's really a career guide for anybody who's contemplating what to do next. And I want to ask you, when you think about next-gen leaders, anybody I talk to under 40, they have no idea what they want to do with their lives. I want to know why that is. Why? Why Do you see that? And, and if so, any theories on why so many young leaders are just like, gosh, it's a blue ocean and I don't know what to do? Why is that a, mm-hmm. the case now? I think we've been trained by a culture that begins when we're in college or coming out of high school to say, hey, what, what's your major going to be? Check a box here. And in essence, saying, we know that you know what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So just tell us which one, which direction you're going. And I, most of the next gen leaders I've talked to, and this was my case, they changed their major at least once, if not two or three other times, because they don't know. And I think we do the next generation a disservice by saying, you should know at 19 years old what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. And what I want to tell 19-year-olds is there are 49-year-olds who still don't know what they want to do for the rest of your life. And so, and I think we've been we've been paralyzed by this, oh, everybody else knows. And sure, there are rare exceptions to, to people who say, hey, I want to be a doctor and they are a doctor. I get that, all right? But I think for most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us, it's a journey. And I just don't think we've sold that. I think we've sold a bill of goods to people that said, you've got to figure out what to do for the rest of your life. So when when one of the principles I talk about in the book is you don't have to figure out the rest of your life. You just have to figure out what to do next. When I tell people that, Carrie, you can see the pressure just release from their face. Like, oh, okay. Now, I think I can figure out what to do next. And that may not be, I leave this job to go to that job. It might be, I'm going to go have coffee with someone who is doing something that I'm intrigued about, and I'm going to go meet with them. Um, when, when I was thinking about this, you were the first person I called to go, hey, you made this transition from Connexus to what you're doing now. That's so intriguing to me. Tell me about what you're, what you're doing. Well, that was, what do I do next? I pick up the phone and I call Carrie and go, hey, Carrie, can, can you not talk? Because I just want to process. That's a net, that was a best next step. So when I say you have to figure out what to do next, I'm not saying you have to figure out you know, leaving Connexus to, to launch a podcast. I'm saying you, in your case, would go, what is, when I, if I want to launch a podcast, how do I launch a podcast? Who do I know that could launch a podcast? So it's those next steps. And so I, I feel like we've just told people this gigantic lie that you got to figure out what to do for the rest of your life. Maybe I feel like it's not just figure out what to do next. And if you do that, every, if you do that consistently, it's going to lead you somewhere. Um, and then the other thing is to for you to grow personally. I mean, your leadership academy is an, an opportunity that you are trying to help people grow. And I believe that opportunities flow to those who grow. And if you're growing, it's just a lot of saying when, when someone grows their own personal leadership, just give it time. Opportunities will start flowing and going their way. 
So I think this idea of, oh, I just feels, I know there's a blue ocean out there and I got to figure it out. Yeah, that's true. But it's a series of steps along the way. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to write the book. I just feel like it's kind of a field manual to go, I can't tell you what to do next, but I can tell you a series of steps to make that can get you there. That's such good advice because 19-year-old Jeff Henderson never would have seen your next 30, 40 years the way you think no. they developed. No. You I mean, you and I, it. you know, we were part of... We were part of multi-site church, you know, you, you, you launched a multi-site. I mean, when we were 19, there was no such thing as multi-site video church, right? So there's so many things that are out there that don't exist right now. That's why, but what we did as leaders to grow ourselves eventually led us there. And it eventually allowed those opportunities to flow your way. So that's why I'm so passionate about what you're doing and, and, and other folks that are helping leaders grow, because that's one of the best things that you can do to figure out what's next is your own personal growth. You write about, and I'm grateful you did, trying to answer questions like, well, what if this doesn't work? Or uh, what if my best days are behind me, right? A fear, that, that second one, particularly as you get older, maybe, maybe I've played out all my cards. I, I don't know that I got anything left. But let's start with what if this doesn't work? Because that is a really big question. We kind of hinted at it or answered it or addressed it in terms of, you know, your next move, my move after Connexus. What if this doesn't work? How do you answer that? Because there's a lot of leaders listening who are like, well, I have an idea, but I have no idea whether it's going to work. How do you answer that, Jeff? Right. It's, the, it's one of the biggest challenges that, that I've had to face in, in, in these transitions. And so I have to have a thought converter. And what I mean by that is convert that thought. You have to be aware of the thought. You know, if, if you're not aware of what if this doesn't work and you're just thinking it, then it's going to lead you to probably not make a move like this. Um, or if you do make a move, you're going to wake up more worried and, and, and anxious. And worry and anxious, I'm all, I, I have plenty of experience with that, trust me. But when I'm aware of that thought, what if this doesn't work? What if this doesn't work? I have to convert the thought into what if this does work? And what if this does work? What if, what if I am able to help organizations get really clear about what they want to be known for? What, what am I able to really help communicators make their next, next presentation their best presentation? What does it look like if I could really help churches and their communities be known more for what they're for than what they're against? Wow, if that were to work, I mean, look at the impact of that. So I got to be focused on what if this does work? That's the exciting part. That is going to allow me to, you know, get back off the ground when the, you know, life knocks me down or, you know, I don't get an opportunity that I was hoping for. Okay. I, you know, I talk about it in the book, I give myself the 24 hour rule. I'll grieve it. But after that, I got to get up and keep moving forward. So what if this does work really helps me see a whole world of possibility instead of what if this doesn't work? It gave me a whole world, seeing a whole world of rejection and failure. And I'm going to, it's much like when I left Buckhead Church, like what if I, what if I'm discovered that it's, that I'm not the leader. A lot of people think I am and that going to that church is just, I couldn't do it again. I mean, all of that stuff, right? All that insecurity uh, would, would rise up in me. So, um, I'd have a thought converter. What if this does work? It's worth the risk if it does work. And so that kind of thinking and that thought 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 converter helped me because the game, and you know this, Gary, the game is the mental challenge. Your own mental mm -hmm. awareness and your own mental game will de determine 
uh, a lot of your direction. Is it a similar thing with what if my best days are behind me? How do you address that? Absolutely. And I think the longer, the older you get, um, the more evidence that you have. Wow, those were a lot of great days. Those were a lot of great days. But I remember when, uh, you know, Rick Warren, I think he, he wrote Purpose Driven Life you know, after he was 50. So when I, when I turned 50, like you did, I, you know, everybody told me all the great people that did all these amazing things after they were 50. Right. So, um, so yeah, I got to think, you know, what if my best, if I think my best days are behind me, they are. If I think my best days are ahead of me, they are. It's just, which one am I going to, to move into? And it's every season has a different season. Uh, I remember the early days of Buckhead church were, were so incredible. Incredible. They were so fun. But the early two years of this, I mean, there's been so many incredible, rewarding experiences. So if you think your best days are behind you, then you will, that's that's how you'll think. But I can't think like that. You can't think like that. I mean, if you felt like the best days in Carrie Newhoff's leadership was at Connexus Church, then the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast would not have been born or it would not have been as successful as it has been. Because you would be constantly looking back at at Connexus versus looking ahead and going, hey, what if this does work? And uh, wow, I think my best days are still ahead of me. That's that's the mindset that you got to have. Yeah, it's a good perspective because you're right. I mean, I love those days. It was a lot of fun and a lot of challenge to lead a church, but a lot of fun. But I'm having a lot of fun right now too. What's been um, the most liberating part of the last two years for you since you went out on your own and made the transition? What's been like a highlight, a mountaintop? I think being able to travel with Wendy and let's just, hey, let's decide, do we want to do this? Do we want to, do we want to add this to our calendar? Because we are the ones that are responsible now for our calendar. And on the flip side, if I'm too busy, I have no one else to blame but me, right? Because I, <laughs> I made this decision. And so in terms of liberating, it's been, um, hey, we get to make this decision. We get to, we get to go do this. We get, we get to do this. So let's go do it. Um, and, you know, you've, sometimes people get lulled into this belief. Oh, I just want to work for myself. I want to work for myself. Well, I've been around enough people who've worked for themselves to understand, you know, yes, that's good, but it comes with a price to pay. And so I think knowing that, that, um, there's a price to pay for working for yourself because you you could be on all the time, right? So you're constantly on, and if you let up, um, then you you might be irresponsible, right? Because you you could be moving the business forward. But I think from a liberating standpoint, to go, hey, we're in control of our calendar for the most part right now, and let's just let's move toward this. And one of the things that we talk about, and, and I mentioned in the book, is that we want to build a life that we enjoy, and we don't want to build a life that we work at a hundred percent of the time. We want to build a life we enjoy. So when opportunity comes, Wendy and I look at the opportunity and go, hey, it's a great opportunity, but is this the right season for it? Is this the right time for it? And is this building a life that we want to enjoy? And I called her, I, in fact, I told you this last no, uh, last fall. I was um, I was somewhere, it was another weekend I was away. It was a beautiful weekend in Atlanta and it was a really cold weekend where I was. And I was so grateful to be there. I was going to be speaking somewhere and they were going to do something related to the four books. So I was so honored about that. But I just told Wendy, I said, I don't think I want to travel this much next fall in 2022. I don't think this is the, I don't think this is the, I don't think right now 
I'm building the life that that ultimately I want to to live. Because you know, in the early days, Carrie, when somebody you're you know, you're on your own and people are asking you, "Hey, will you come speak?" Yes. Uh, well, I haven't even told mm-hmm. you the date yet. Doesn't matter. I'm I'm available, right? And um, so so be able to go, hey, let's build a life we enjoy. That's, we're building a life that we enjoy. And when we're building a life we enjoy, I think we serve people better because we're, we're in a better space. So that's been one of the most liberating things is, is looking at our calendar and going, hey, is this the life we want to build? Yeah, that's fantastic. And, you know, I'm the same way. Last two years, I've taken July off, all of July off. And part of that f- could feel self-indulgent. On the other hand, you come back with fresh energy, fresh ideas, and you find out whether you have employees or whether you have a team. And I'm glad to say I've got a team. So that's good. And I want to make sure that that's the case. What's been liberating for you over this, over this season? I think, I mean, you're hinting at it without the word, but autonomy uh, over your own decisions. Mm-hmm. I've, I've really enjoyed Now, I had a lot of autonomy as a lead pastor and as a founder as well. But I love the opportunity to try to multiply impact. So I had the privilege mm-hmm. of serving, you know, three, 4,000 people as a lead pastor of Connectus. But now I have the opportunity to help millions of leaders around the world um, thrive in life and leadership. And that is a tremendous privilege and one that I don't take lightly. And, you know, Tony, I do enjoy the travel to a point, as you say, uh, and I become much more aware of that. There was an obligation often to ministry that I don't have as much. And I love the summer. So I want to make sure I'm traveling less in the summer we're on the boat, we're with friends, we're connecting with family, and I'm doing some deeper work. And then, you know, in November, sure, I get to fly somewhere sunny or warm or whatever that happens to be. Um, But there is always an element of sacrifice to leadership. I don't, you know, there are days, I had a day of sacrifice yesterday. It's like, we're doing this event. I signed up for it. Uh, I was filming it and I forgot to hit record on like rookie mistake. I forgot to hit record, did a whole session, like a one hour session, forgot to hit record. And you know, that's my own boneheaded move. And you would think at this stage, I would have been able to figure it out. But like, who do you have to blame for that? I didn't even, we usually hire a video crew. We didn't do it this time around. It's like, well, that's my own move. And so you never really escape yourself, right? Wherever you go, there you are. So it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a classic carry move. Great. So I did it again. I think I did a better job when I actually recorded it. But, you know, what what, what about the hardest part? You hit record on this, right? You hit record on this, right? Oh, Jeff. Yeah, yes, I did. I did. (laughs) But I checked five times. (laughs) And and I have a backup recording in the background because it's an audio podcast. (laughs) If the video doesn't work, at least I got this. No, I I did check five times after yesterday. Uh, Hardest part, hardest part of being on your own. Goodness. Um, I would say probably the, the, the loneliness of it, um, is, you know, I'll be traveling by myself this weekend and I'm going to, with great, going to see great people. Right. Um, and, but building a, building a team, but then, you know, you're running your business. So you gotta go, okay. Um, as Bob Lewis told me, let's don't, we don't hire people to be your friends. Right. So let's, let's make, uh, so, you know, we hire contractors. So they're, they're contracts who are contracting and, um, and so we we've got some very sound business fundamentals that are running our business, and but I would say probably the 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 loneliness of not being able to lead a team. Now, that there's pressure of that comes with leading people, right? Every leader listening to this knows that there's there's pressures leading people, and 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 so there's that. 
But I think kind of uh, the loneliness of a season like this has has been has been hard. And then trying to figure out kind of okay, where where's all this where's all this going? And that's kind of exciting to me, but it's also a little it can be a little nerve wracking to to give it enough time. So now I'm at, I'm almost two years into this, and I'm like, oh, okay, now I there's so much now that I know, Carrie, that I wish I would have known two years ago. But you can't have that because it's growth, right? And so. Um, so I'm, and I think also I'm, I'm able to pace myself. I probably, even though Bob Lewis was telling me not to, you know, put all, everything on my calendar, I put a good bit of my calendar just cause I felt that that gave me a little bit more security. Uh, so, but I think probably the, the, the loneliness and I've talked to leaders even who are around a lot of people and they're lonely as well. So that's why our friendship has been such a, uh, I mean, it's been key for years now, but especially in these two years of doing this because you've been saying, nope, I've, I've felt like that. Yep. I know exactly oh, yeah. how you feel. And uh, yeah, here's, here's why you're feeling that. And here's how I felt that. So having somebody like you and others to be able to process that with has been such, so helpful for me. Well, your friendship is a gift. Your leadership is a gift. The book is called what to do next, uh, taking your best step when life is uncertain and it's available anywhere you can get books. Did you do an audio book for this one? I think you did. I did. Yeah, I sure did. Yeah. Cool. So that's uh, released as well. So excited about that. Man, it's under uh, Zondervan and John Maxwell Publishing, which is a lot of fun. That's great. Um, Jeff, anything final you want to say to leaders? Any any final word for leaders? Yeah, I, I would just say when it comes to what to do next, this isn't a plea for you to leave your job. It's not a plea for you to leave where you are. It's really a plea for you to keep growing. And um you know, my friend, David Farmer, who's a close friend of mine as well. He works at Chick-fil-A. He's been at Chick-fil-A for 30 years, but he's had so many different opportunities because he's just growing. He says, if you're the, if you're the same person six months from now as you are now, you're falling behind. And uh, that's why what you're doing with a podcast and Leadership Academy is so, is so important. So, you know, I would encourage you to get the book, not because you want to, I mean, if you're trying to make a transition, I think it'll be helpful. But the next version of you, this isn't a plea for you to leave. It's a plea for you to keep moving forward because we need the best version of you. We need you to fill a bigger space because the world is in need of of leadership and better leaders. It's an interesting point to finish on because I have reviewed my next steps many times. And most of the time, I don't make a change. It kind of reaffirms your calling to what you're currently doing. Right, like you spent years at Buckhead, you spent years at Gwinnett, you spent years at Chick Fil A, I spent twenty years at what became Connexus, and then every once in a while, you're like, okay, it's time to change it up. But sometimes uh, that review process can make you dig in even deeper and renew your calling, which I think is just as important as deciding it's time to make a transition. Absolutely, absolutely. That's yeah. And if you if you go to a deeper calling where you are, guess what? That's a season of next. Oh yeah. That's huge. Okay. People want to find you online. They know where they can get the book, what to do next. Where can they find Jeff Henderson online? Uh, JeffHenderson.com. And you'll see all the free assessments that are associated with this. And and, um, and then my cell phone's in the book. Just text me and I'll text you back. And just grateful for uh, the community that's building uh, that's a part of this. And I sure hope this helps everybody figure out what's next. Hmm. Jeff, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Gary. Good to see you, buddy.
Well, that was a really heartfelt conversation, and I so appreciate Jeff. I hope that was helpful and clarifying for you. Uh, His book is fantastic. It's called What to Do Next. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And thanks to our partners, Compassion International and Overflow. You can equip local churches around the world while helping your church grow in the process by going to Compassion.com slash church. And Overflow is a revolutionary software that empowers donors to seamlessly give stock donations and crypto to churches and nonprofits within minutes, not months. Go to overflow.co slash carry, that's .co, not .com, slash carry to learn more. Next episode, we got Tony Chapman coming up, a fascinating conversation where, well, we talked about a successful career in marketing. Here's an excerpt. The first thing is we're living in this age of noise. And, and we're all suffering with this incredible math problem. There's just too much and too many chasing a finite amount of time. So we're like, we're drinking content from a fire hose. And even within that fire hose, you put your best sermon, you put your best foot forward, you, you, you put your labor of love and you put it out there. There's a very good chance it's going to get spilled on the floor. That's the reality of what we're dealing with. So what you have to figure out is, well, how am I going to get the attention of the people that matter most to me? And I think we're so caught up now with social media, how many likes, validations, uh, what was the reach, how many downloads of the podcast, as opposed to maybe taking a moment and saying, did I change one person's life? Also coming up, Nona Jones, Stephen M. R. Covey, Patrick Lencioni, Tim Tebow, Brian Koppelman, the producer of Billions, Chris Anderson of TED Talks, Rich Birch, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening. If you like this episode, please leave a rating and review. It means the world to me. And while you're there, check out a podcast that my guest today, Jeff Henderson, co-hosts called Executive Minds. It's in our Art of Leadership podcast network. And on Executive Minds, Jeff and his co-hosts provide professional development and career tips for entrepreneurs, executives, and nonprofit leaders. Just search Executive Minds where you're listening to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And I hope our time together today has helped you thrive in life and leadership.